0: I want to say thank you to the Bell Choir for working on that special and sharing with us today. Excellent job. Hey, we're wrapping up our month-long look at four important questions about Jesus. This week, uh, I feel like I'm a little bit of a prophet. What is our call? That's on the heels of the call last night during the baseball game, so um, I don't know what to make of that, but that's where we're at. Week one in October, we looked at why does Jesus matter? And the New Testament answer we found in the book of Hebrews, we found that Jesus matters because He became the one-time-for-all-time sacrifice for our sins. found out that Jesus matters because He he is our agent of hope and because He will make us holy. Week two, we answered the question, what did Jesus do? We spent time in Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, and we found that Jesus loves us and He freed us from our sins by His blood and He made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God the Father. Last week, Adam did an awesome job. Um, really, uh, maybe the best message I've ever heard Adam share, great visual illustration that uh, caught many of us right between the eyes. Adam said, you should have seen the looks that people were giving me when I walked out on the stage. But what is, what, what is our, How should we act? How should we treat people? What is the standard that as Christians we are called to bear when it comes to others that don't look like us? And James says, without a shadow of a doubt, you cannot judge other people. You cannot show favoritism. Everyone should be viewed the same. And then this week, what is our call? And this week we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as we consider this question. And I want to start this morning by simply asking you this question, what is our call? As Christ's followers, just take a moment. We're gonna put that question up on the screen. What is our call? Think about that for just a moment. What is our call as followers of Jesus Christ? What is our call? Someone give me an answer. What is our call? What's that? To serve, okay? To be reconcilers? What's our call? To tell? Somebody over here? To love? Okay. I want to give you a, a word this morning that, that we don't typically throw out on Sunday mornings even though it's a great biblical word. It is a great modern day word. We typically think of it in a, in a political context. But in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, at the very end of maybe my favorite chapter in the Bible, maybe, verse 20, we see this, this uh, teaching from the Apostle Paul. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Think about that for just a moment. As if God were making his appeal through you, through me. How does that make you feel? makes me a little nervous, quite honestly. makes me realize that just playing church isn't going to cut it if the Apostle Paul is correct. It means just showing up for an hour on Sunday morning and then living the rest of my week however I want to live it isn't going to cut it. If we take 2 Corinthians 5.20 seriously, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through you, as if God were making his appeal through me. And so let's start this morning by defining an ambassador. Simply put, an ambassador is an authorized representative or messenger. See, I think it'd be a really good gig to be the United States ambassador to and just fill in the blank. Because you really don't have to have a lot of creative thoughts of your own. You don't really have to come up with legislation. You don't really have to come up with mandates. You are simply a messenger. You are a mouthpiece for your government. But with that, there is a a real responsibility. You can't be a knucklehead. You can't act out. Because when you act out, it's not just falling back on you, but it's falling back on your country. Think about that for a moment in the context of you, the Christ follower. If you are Christ's ambassador, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to stand up and preach a sermon or sing in the choir or teach a Sunday school class or write a blog but you do need to live strong for Jesus Christ because you are his mouthpiece. You are his messenger. And so in, in light of this, understand this morning that followers of Christ, first of all, were called to represent and communicate Christ. We're called to represent and communicate Christ. And we're called to do that on Sunday mornings at 8.15 in our beautiful sanctuary. And we're called to do that on Friday night at the football game. And we're called to do it on Saturday night at the class reunion, and we're called to do it on Wednesday morning at work, even though our boss just drives us crazy. We're called to represent and communicate Christ all the time. And secondly, and it was mentioned earlier, we're called to the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. I love when I see two human beings that have been in conflict for some time and reconciliation comes to that relationship. And you hear words like, I am so sorry. I hear, I hear words like, why did I let the months go by? Why did I let the years go by? I love to see that picture of reconciliation. That's what we are called to be. As Christ's ambassadors, we're called to help reconcile people that don't know Jesus to Jesus Christ. We We are given the ministry of reconciliation. So I want you to repeat after me for just a moment. I am an IAC. Say that. I am an IAC. What's an IAC? Anybody know? An IAC is an ideal... Ambassador for Christ. Now, you didn't know you were an ideal ambassador for Christ, but when we get done in the next 15 minutes, you're going to understand a little bit more. What's an ideal ambassador for Christ look like? So let's say that one more time. That's pretty lame just a moment ago. I am an IAC. Go. I am an. Much better. We're waking up. Very good. Okay. Four characteristics of an ideal ambassador for Christ. And number one is this an ideal ambassador for Christ lives for Christ constantly and consistently. Constantly and consistently. If we jumped nine verses back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to verse 11, we see this kind of obscure sentence from the Apostle Paul to begin this entire thought process, and he says here, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. Years ago, I used to think maybe that that meant that we were boring. If we were plain, we were just boring. We'd never show up on a Sunday morning wearing a sports jersey. We wouldn't want to be too flashy. We'd want to just be really average, basic, plain kind of people. That's not at all what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. He's saying this, how you live on Monday is just as important as how you live on Sunday. What your life looks like on Friday night is just as important as what your life looks like on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. We're called to live for Jesus constantly and consistently. And let me just throw this in here. Sometimes we think if we're not going out and drinking and smoking and, you know, engaging in sexual sin, we're good to go. Friends, can I just tell you, gossip destroys God's church. Hate destroys God's church. Rumors destroy God's church. And so you may have never picked up a bottle. Drunkenness may not be a threat to you whatsoever. And you could still do incredible damage to this church and to the kingdom of God if you are not careful. I've seen it happen. We're called to live for Christ constantly, and consistently the key term there is is the word integrity we're called to be people of integrity and and i could give a lot of different definitions here's the one i want swimming around in your head this, this this afternoon who am i when nobody else is watching who am i when i'm in a setting that nobody knows me or nobody from church knows me who you are when no one's watching because you, you know the reality? Someone's always watching. Someone's always watching. I spent 13 hours yesterday in a high school gymnasium, and that's way too long to stay in a high school gymnasium, hosted an all-day volleyball tournament. And uh, boy, you really see people at their core in the heat of high school athletics or junior high athletics or especially grade school athletics. I've seen some great fights on the fifth grade level, not from the kids, from the parents, but in, in this match, that I was kind of paying attention to, uh, a friend of mine who was a referee came charging over and he said, I've got to kick a guy out. i got to kick the guy out. He's just out of control. And it was a fam- big, hulky guy and, and uh, met him in the hallway and I'm not leaving, this stinks, blah, 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 blah. And you know the principal comes, the Logan County Sheriff is there. He definitely ended up leaving before uh, the incident was over. But the greatest tragedy of all was that he had his school's name, I won't name the school, but he had a little cross right up here, the cross of Jesus Christ. Parochial school. And I don't know, maybe the referee got the call wrong. I don't know. But I know that Jesus Christ was not represented well by that gentleman in that situation. Now before I throw a stone at someone I don't even know his name, I've been there. You, You ever been there before? Who are you? when no one is watching. Number one, an ideal ambassador for Christ lives for Christ constantly and consistently. Number two, an ideal ambassador for Christ allows the Word of God to be authority in their lives. The Word of God to be authority in their lives. The whole reason that I set this sermon series up in October was because I am deeply troubled, deeply concerned that more and more people are refusing to allow God's word. Christ followers, mind you. More and more Christ followers are refusing to allow God's word to be the authority for their life. And I could throw out five issues that are out there culturally, they are out there socially. And I've heard more and more Christ followers come to the conclusion, yes, I know what the word of God says, but what about this? What about that? Don't we need to be tolerant? Don't we need to lighten up? Who made us judge? How can we decide? I don't want to be judgmental Christians, but I want God's Word to be the authority for my life and for your life when we look at issues that that confront us and face us. I don't want culture to become so strong that we find ourselves in conflict with God's Word because we want to try to be all things for all people, culturally or socially. And friends, there's churches that have went that direction. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let me rattle off some verses for you that I think drive home what it means to let God's Word be authority for my life and for your life. In verse 14, it says, Christ's love compels us. We are convinced... One died for all, therefore all died. Verse 15, if he died for all, speaking of Jesus, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again, the crucifixion and the resurrection, and then all the way down to verse 21, look at verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That means if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you have eternal hope. And that means if Jesus Christ has no part in your life, or you're just nominally affiliated when it's convenient, there's not hope. That changes How I look at people. That changes how we view relationships. Key term here is biblical worldview. See, you thought I was probably going to talk about abortion, didn't you, when I started going down that road? Or you thought maybe I was going to talk about marriage. Or you thought I was going to talk about another hot-button social issue. I want more than anything else for you, whoever you are, to be completely sold out to a biblical worldview when it comes to how you look at people. And how you look at eternity. Don't buy convenient lies. A biblical worldview. Number three, an ideal ambassador for Christ views people from a Christian perspective. I love verse sixteen in this entire uh, th- this entire chunk of scripture that we're looking at, from verse eleven all the way to the beginning of chapter two. And again, it's a very simple phrase that the apostle paul throws out from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view think about that for a minute let that roll around in your mind how is it possible to view people from a worldly point of view what's that mean does that mean maybe if you grew up in clinton you view view people as east side or west side Maybe if you're into politics, you look at people as Republicans or Democrats. Maybe if uh, you grew up in a community that wasn't racially diverse, you look at people as white people or black people or brown people. Those are kind of the things that roll through your mind. That's how you judge people. That's how you draw conclusions about people. Maybe if you're a sports fan, you look at people as Cubs fans or Cardinal fans. If you're football fans, maybe it's Bears fans or it's Packers fans. I was really um, moved this week that, unfortunately, there are too many things in my life that can be viewed as alienating factors toward other people. And, you know, I just announced on Sunday, take me out to the ball game Sunday. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, um, the, the words of the Apostle Paul from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, really need to ring true in my life and your life and here's what it says the apostle paul says though i'm free i belong to no one i've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible to the jews i became like a jew to win the jews to those under the law i became like one under the law so as to win those under the law to those not having the law i became like one not having the law As so to win those not having the law to the weak i became weak to win the weak I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save someone. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. See, Paul didn't say I'm going to become all things to all people to battle this social issue. Even though we we need to have opinions on social issues. Paul said I've become all things to all people to win people to Jesus Christ. So I want to do something right now I never thought I would do. I never thought this day would come. It's a scary time for me right now. You want a picture? Get it quick. That's all I'm saying. Now I'm just having fun this morning. I'm just having a good time this morning. I never thought a day would come that I would wear these colors. But you know what? When push comes to shove, my friends, it's just baseball. When push comes to shove, it's just politics. When push comes to shove, it's just a neighborhood. And if we really believe that we can no longer view people From a worldly point of view, we have to be willing to adopt the philosophy of the Apostle Paul, I will become all things for all people for his glory. So more and more people can come to know Jesus Christ. Look at the very next verse. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. An ideal ambassador for Christ views people From a Christian perspective. What's the word? They are a big picture Christian. Are you a big picture Christian? I met Erica Harold several weeks ago at a fundraising banquet. And she's running for Congress. Some of you know that. And this is not an endorsement whatsoever. um, Not any way, shape, or form. But the night that she shared at God's Shelter of Love Banquet, I was there. Jerry and Charlotte Milton were there. A couple hundred people from the Decatur area were there. Uh, she preached a pretty powerful sermon about Matthew 25 and what we 're called to do for the least of these in our world. And I just floated the idea to multiple ministry friends. man, I would love to bring her to our church on a Sunday morning, because that 's a better sermon than most of the sermons that you hear on Sunday morning. It was passionate. Former Miss America, just compelling, compelling message. And almost everyone said, You can't do that. You can't have her there. See, she's got a political party affiliation. People run you out of Clinton. People, you think you've had hate email now, you you won't believe what'll come your way. I want to be a big picture Christian, I want you to be a big picture Christian to where we can grow in our knowledge of God's Word, where we can grow in what our call is as followers of Christ, that we don't care who's proclaiming that news. We're we're eager to learn. We're hungry to hear. So that we're not just playing church, but we're becoming ideal ambassadors for Christ. Number four, almost done. An ideal ambassador for Christ understands that time is our enemy. Time is our enemy. Nothing's more tragic for me than going to a funeral and having family members say they never knew Jesus. They never knew Jesus. And sometimes I'll hear things along the lines of they thought they had all the time in the world. Time is our enemy. The Apostle Paul says in verse 20, we implore you, we beg you, be reconciled to God. And in chapter 6, verse 2, he says, "You now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I want you to have an urgency that if there's someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus, that's priority number one for you, the Christ follower, to share the hope that you know, to share the good news that you know. And so I leave you with three challenges this morning. And these are basic, and everyone in here can do it. Number one, we have to start praying with passion for people in our life that don't know Jesus. I have given you a blank note card in your bulletin. I invite you right now to take 45 seconds and write down a name or names of people in your life that don't know Jesus Christ. Do it right now on this note card. Who in your life doesn't know Jesus? Who in your life was really good with Jesus at one point, but he's not relevant to them whatsoever today? We have to pray with passion. Let's pray every day. Pray all the time. I'll have people come up to me and say, will you pray for me? And for my son or for my, my mom or for my neighbor or for my coworker, they don't know Jesus. Pray with passion. Number two, we have to be an open book. Friends, nothing's more tragic than Christians who don't live like Christians. Nothing's more damaging for the local church than Christians who live their lives in a way that brings no honor whatsoever to Jesus Christ. Are we going to sin? Absolutely. Are we going to be perfect? Not at all. But for some of us, we've made the lifelong excuse, I I, I can't be perfect, to give us an opportunity to behave poorly. To do things that bring dishonor to God and His kingdom. And and so today, I, I just challenge you, if there's something in your life and I don't want to keep harping on it, gossip. I I can't believe the gossip I've heard brought to my attention the last six weeks. That is just a thousand percent false. we have got to be an open book. And then finally, we have to live to tell. We have to look for opportunities. For some of us, that starts with, hey, will you come to church with me? Will you come to small group with me? Will you come to families at first with me? Will you come to coffee time with me? Will you come to my Sunday school class with me? But for some of us, we've got to take the next step. We've got to be unashamed to tell people in our life why Jesus matters, the difference that Jesus makes. And so, my bottom line for you is simply this we have a story to tell. Let's get busy. Let's get busy. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day, and thank you for uh, your son Jesus and the hope that he brings us. We love you so much, and we acknowledge this morning that we are called to be your messenger. We're called to be your mouthpiece. We're called to make a difference in your name. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We are going to sing our hymn of invitation as we do every Sunday morning at FCC. And I want to go back to the note card for just a moment. I invite you to take this note card with you and to keep it in front of you and maybe put it in your car or put it on your your bathroom mirror or put it by your coffee maker so you can have a regular uh, reminder that you need to pray, that you need to look for opportunities. But I want to give you a second opportunity this morning. We have a team of prayers here at First Christian Church. And I'm not going to start naming them by name because there's too many of them. But many of that team meets once a month on a Sunday night. And they meet next Sunday night at 5.30 right in here. If you'd like them to pray for the name that's on this list, I invite you as we sing this song to come forward and to place your card on the communion table. Or to give it to Adam. We give it to Kent. I guarantee you, you will have Christians praying for that heart, for that soul. Let's stand together as we sing our song of commitment.